1: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: Hello there, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we will start with some news on the official free agency front. The Bengals announced the signing of Darquez Denard to a one year deal, which we talked about yesterday on the podcast. But so we did get the financial figures, and it turns out Joe was more correct than I was when he estimated Darquez Denard's contract value in 2019. It's a one-year, $5 million total value deal, which is similar to what was reported for Tyler Eifert. It could be similar in terms of cap hit as well, which would mean the Bengals, after you take out Kerry Wynn's contract, the rookie pool, they might end up closer to 12 to $14 million under the cap again before any extensions or surprise free agent signings or trades that might happen in the rest of the offseason period.
2: Right, so it probably means they can still make a small move or even a moderate move. If they honestly, they could do a lot if they wanted to, but on the Bengals standards, they could probably still make one more, um, addition, a veteran addition and still give the extensions they want.
0: Yeah. If they went on the low end of their recent five year, like this is how much cap space we carry, which I think is around $8 million. I think they could probably give out a six to $8 million deal. And they would still end up around that number. I think.
2: Right. And that's why, you know, people still are going to ask, where's Zach Brown? What's the interest on him? And honestly, I've heard nothing from anybody on Zach Brown. But, you know, the longer it goes, the cheaper these guys get. And adding another talent at linebacker would be the obvious one. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they could definitely happen.
0: The Zach Brown thing is pretty weird, right? Like, I get that he's been one year team to team to team. And he must be, like, nearly untouchable for how good he's been. But... I mean, he, he was what? He was a top five off-ball linebacker for PFF last year, right?
2: Yeah. It or almost makes to. you wonder if there's something else going on. And sometimes we hear that, like, there's a suspension looming for guys like this, right? Or yeah. that they're just a complete you know, headache in in terms of dealing with. Uh, But he's a mercenary linebacker. That's basically what he's been. He's, uh, you know, paid to play and he goes out there and he does a good job when he does for multiple teams now in the the league. So I'd still be interested because I I do still believe uh, as they stand right now, unless they force that pick at number 11, uh, there's still one open spot at the linebacker unit.
0: Some other rumors going around the NFL today. Apparently the Cleveland Browns are looking at uh, Trey Boston, had you okay. seen this?
2: It, Trey Boston's another weird one. He's been good wherever he's been.
0: Yeah, Trey Boston is somebody that if the if the Browns do sign him, that they they feel good about replacing Jabril uh, Peppers. Jabril Peppers, right? There, there's some
2: interest in Eric Berry also there with Cleveland. So. It'll be interesting to see what they decide on because Boston and Barry are two is very different types of safety. Where Barry's almost a linebacker at this point, and with injury history, you know, mm-hmm. cancer, even though that's, you know, it sucks for him, but it is part of his history at this point. Um, with Boston, more of why is he bounced around team to team? You know, he's a little outspoken at times, I get that, but he's been a quality player for the last handful of years. He misses a little bit more tackles, but he's a free safety type, and I think that's more in line with what they maybe envisioned peppers as at first and then moved them around a little bit more last year. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go with that. Yeah.
0: And rounding out the AFC North, the Ravens, apparently there were people that were speculating that Jimmy Smith was going to be a cut new GM, Eric Acosta says that the team plans to keep Jimmy Smith at corner that looks to be all the news around the AFC North today, as far as I can tell. And even if there was Steelers news, I wouldn't even bother talking about it, to be honest. We did
2: mention Steelers. Did we mention on air Steelers yesterday that they're they're probably expecting two th- or one third round pick for Le'Veon Bell in the I compensatory?
0: Don't, I don't think we said it when we were recording, but no, that it's is just true.
2: only thing probably worth mentioning is they don't expect them to make moves because that third rounder is coming back next year, and the Steelers typically don't make. Many moves. Honestly, signing Steven Nelson was more than uh, they typically do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So we have Darquez on a cheap deal, betting on himself. Uh, again. Which he, yeah, again, because Cat Terrell reported earlier today that the, the Bengals previously offered Denard a, what was it, $8.5 million deal. At some point, you said you think that's last year, and it was probably like, yeah. what, three, four years? Yeah. Which, it was
2: kind of taking in last year what he was making, eight and a half, and kind yeah. of averaging that through the life of the of the offer.
0: And honestly, if he had taken that deal last year, he's the highest paid slot corner. Yeah, Start, Last year, he'd be the highest paid slot corner. And, and this year, at this point, I think it's Justin Coleman who got a $9 million deal, which right. if he's in the slot all year and he plays really well in the slot, that's his ceiling. Is yeah. is is a Justin Coleman kind of deal, and maybe inflation gets you to nine and a half million if he's the best slot corner that hits free agency next year. But I mean, in terms of betting on himself, this means that he 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 needs an opportunity to play outside, and, and then he needs yeah. to go play well outside if he wants to get over ten million dollars on a on anything more than a, a couple of years, right? And we'll
2: talk about a lot how the Bengals and every NFL team has to correctly evaluate the talent they have on the roster, use them accordingly, use them in the right position. Uh, Players need to do this also. You know, you have to have the confidence in yourself and your game and want the opportunity to show how valuable and versatile you can be. In Dark Denard's case, he wants to be able to play outside corner because, honestly, if he can go out there and play and play well, even though he'll be a year older now, and that's, I think, also a factor – he could increase his salary i mean from five million obviously is what he got out there but it could get up to 10 if not more in free agency and that's why he's bet on himself twice now uh i just think he's incorrectly evaluating his own ability and i know there's a lot of fans out there that still believe in an outside corner but man speed and ball skills are killer out there if you don't have them teams are going to attack you and, and teams do attack denard when he's in that position
0: and his skill set definitely plays up in the slot, and it, I, mean, I don't know. Did he lose a step last year? He was worse in coverage last year. Maybe this is just a Terrell Lawson effect.
2: Yeah, watch him, and he was heavy, man, or especially around the midsection. So, yeah. I and he's he's kind of the some of the quotes from Cat Terrell too. He sounds like he's got a chip on his shoulder because of this, because he went out there, uh, he asked for the soul stone, and the NFL told him no, basically, and he's got to throw Gamora off the. Off the ledge to get it, so he didn't not get what he was expecting out there. Does that that's not a good analogy? I see your face there. You know what I'm talking about?
0: I, I mean, the, sort of. What's what? Who's Gamora? Well, she, Gamora is Thanos I mean, no, daughter. I know who Gamora is, but who's Gamora in the analogy? Like he's going to have off. The, he's going to throw oh, okay. Drake or Patrick
2: off the ledge <laughs> and take that starting spot, right. and that's the the sacrifice you need to make. All
0: right, uh, <laughs> that was off the top of my head. Actually, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's B. W. Webb. Maybe it's VW Web. That one would make a lot more sense anyway. So that being said, let's talk about what might happen for the rest of the free agency period. More than likely, they are not bringing in any additional outside free agents at this point in time. Bengals.com has put a moratorium on unrestricted free agents, which usually is pretty accurate. I'm not going to say Jeff Hobson is the most connected insider at this point in time. Actually, I don't really know who is anymore. I don't know who would be either. It, it, it may it, still be Hobson. <laughs> it, it was Lapham, right? <laughs> it was Lapham for the last 10 years. and now Especially during draft has, season. Well, and, and with free agents too, to some degree.
2: Yeah, but, I don't right. know if I ever
0: it's, listened in free agency, to
2: be honest, Tim,
0: It was definitely more prevalent around the draft. I would say that for sure. I mean, he he called correctly the Bengals' first-round draft picks like Five years in a row or something. Yeah, he's on it. That yeah. So I don't know who the Bengal's best insider is. They're they're still stingy with local media. Uh I, I think that's not necessarily unique to the Bengals, but it's certainly frustrating for Bengals fans to and I'm sure the beat writers that are in the market. Although Paul Danner's been doing it for for a really long, long time now. So yeah. We haven't heard much about trades the Bengals might be interested in. The one that we've talked about in the past and that people have talked about on Twitter, etc., cetera, is Darren Lee, Ohio State linebacker who plays for New York, who is on the block. He is going into his fourth year. He has yep. a fifth-year option that you could pick up if you trade for him, so you could get him for two years. The fifth-year option is probably going to be somewhere around $9 million, judging from – cj mosley's fifth year option last year and you'd have
2: to pick it up this summer so that that's what makes it hard uh even if you did trade for him right now the one thing we did learn also because he was suspended to end the season last year his best season also uh his fourth year is basically non-guaranteed at this point and you could cut him without losing anything so uh that makes him more valuable to some but the issues he's had off the field would probably knock that value down
0: you're not trading for a guy for his cut ability at least in year one. Not a high pick,
2: at least, right? Yeah. You're not going to give anything good for a guy that may get cut or suspended.
0: So so where do you where do you value Darren Lee? What that's do, question. I mean, he, he's, he's a weak side guy, right? And that's what we're talking yep. about looking for in the draft. And if they do bring in Darren Lee, then what are we doing in the draft? Are we strictly BPA? Probably. But let's start with question number one, which is, are we talking fourth round pick? Are we talking sixth round pick? Looking yep. around the NFL, looking at the pick swap trades that happen, my perspective is, if we're doing anything more than a six-round pick for an off-ball linebacker, we're probably doing it wrong when you look at some of the other guys that have been traded for six-round picks.
2: Right, and he's 24 and a half years old, so at some point during the season, he'll turn 25. And you could control him for two more years on cheap deal. If he's being traded, you get him real cheap. Uh, just It'd be the, basically the cap hit, Uh for the be Bengals. the, salary, the base salary. Right, exactly. So even if you did pick up the fifth-year option and it was $9 million, the two years combined at ten and a half, maybe up to $11 million, uh, wouldn't be terrible on a two-year average looking at it that way if you got the production. Last year was his best and only good year so far. Uh, looking at PFF, he had a 74.2 overall grade he had a lot of missed tackles. That's been a, a a thing that's plagued him throughout the first three years in coverage. He had eighty four point eight grade over the last two years. Now he's played about nineteen hundred snaps. The, that coverage grade, the athleticism, and the snaps durability. He would have he would have played and finished out the year too if he hadn't get suspended. He could have easily hit a thousand snaps in both years. But those three factors. Would be extremely valuable for the Bengals, and three things that they could really desperately need added to this to this defensive unit. Uh, so, in my opinion, I would value him, and if that meant three sixth-round picks, I don't care, I'd do it. But I think I'd get to the point where I would say, well, I'd take him in the fourth round. If he's in this draft with the with the concerns uh, that he's had off the field, he's had a couple, and with the suspension and possible, possibility of being released anyways, and he's right around the corner from making a sizable amount of money, I'd probably give the fourth-round
0: pick for Darren Lee. you go fourth-rounder. If that's, I had to. That's Max Sharping in our most recent mock draft Monday.
2: That's right. But it's also, we took Blake Cashman in the third. So we would not take Blake Cashman in the third, right? So you're, now That's the right. next question is, yep. what's the impact on the draft?
0: Hold on. Before we get there, you talked about his pro football focus grades. And this was his first year yep. that he graded out well in coverage. You, he was terrible. I, he was, he was uh, like quite awful. And even this year, he had two really bad games. He had two really good games where he had a couple interceptions in week one. Which yep. really boosts his grade, I think, for the whole season. He had two Minnesota interceptions game. and a pass breakup against Detroit, and then later on, he had another game where he had a couple pass breakups, and he had another game with one interception. Those games are really, you know, boosting his coverage score. Outside of that, he's he's in the average to slightly above average for most games. Yeah, he's still and giving. We can up. take
2: average and slightly above average. Sure. Though.
0: He's still giving up 76% of passes into his coverage for completions for 9.1 yards per catch, which yep. is, I don't know what his yards per per target are, but
2: right. the 9.1 solid. But the. Right. The Packers
0: always give up a lot of catches. So, like, yes. that's not. I mean, last year to compare, he was giving up the same catch rate, but a lot more yards after catch uh 11.4 yards per reception so that's maybe and where all those from.
2: numbers are still better than what the Bengals have trotted out there sure at, in coverage so uh even at 75 percent, they were trotting out guys they're giving up 80 and 82 84 percent completion percentages so uh you would take Lee and the athleticism he brings it, it for me on the field wise he's definitely worth the risk yeah I just don't know, you know, we definitely need a weak side linebacker at this point. They've mostly played Nick Vigil, if he's the second starter or third starter, however you want to view it, as a Sam linebacker or inside linebacker in nickel. uh, The weak side spot is the open spot. And I think as of right now, it's probably Jordan Evans.
0: Okay, so say we go conservative and say that somehow Darren Lee is worth a fourth round pick, (laughs) which I say that because like... Is that aggressive or conservative? well it's conservative for 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 the purposes of saying we're going to be out a fourth round pick instead of saying it's going to be a sixth round pick
2: sure fine i see what you're saying
0: yeah maybe aggressive conservative is a wrong paradigm wrong framework to talk about regardless we're looking at the draft now yesterday we picked cashman in the third round who's built like physically six you know 230 six pounds 230 just one, likely just just yep. likely uh and, and a lot of the guys we're looking at to play weak side backer in this draft are about that build. Bember Curvin, same yep. build. Uh, right, we're looking Devin for this White, build and athleticism. a little bit bigger. Yeah, Devin Bush, about the same build. So, that takes the Devin's probably, I don't know, if Devin White's there, you probably still consider him pretty hard at 11, but Devin Bush probably is no longer a consideration for you in round sure. one. You're probably not looking at a second round linebacker. You're probably not looking at uh, Mac at that point. Third round, you open up. So so what's what's your priority then? What's your pressing need?
2: I don't know that you have a pressing need at that point. I think it becomes, what's our board look like at 11? I mean, obviously, if Ed Oliver's there, you, you just, it becomes a no-brainer. You don't even debate it with linebackers. The closest if,
0: thing to a starter at that point, too, would be a yeah. guy that would actually get snaps in the nickel.
2: Right, he could get five hundred snaps easily as a nickel interior rusher and rotate with Atkins. Honestly, he can end up with six hundred snaps to be, yeah. if if that was the case. Uh I would say you obviously hope for that. I there could still be a surprise pick at defensive tackle. Hobson's has been on Christian Wilkins from Clemson. I've seen people with Jerry Tillery as a top twenty guy from Notre Dame. Uh, and that would actually give the size Hopkins described, but the athleticism of a pass rusher, which uh, would be interesting. Uh, I think it would instead go with, OK, what are the future needs? And we've talked about that, described that. I, yeah. I think it could also put them in position to say, you know what? We kind of like this Drew Lock guy, and here's a great opportunity to not feel like we're wasting the pick because we don't need to plug a guy a first rounder in, or, or wherever we draft wouldn't plug right in if it was an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle or a linebacker, whatever the case, uh, and they would take a quarterback. But I also think, same way we did yesterday in mock draft Monday, uh, would be a great spot for the first tight end to come off the board.
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of where I was, where I where I ended up getting mentally in that thought process is. Then you're looking for whatever blue chip guy is there. If it's not Ed Oliver, it's TJ Hawkinson, most likely, right? Like, TJ Hawkinson is the most likely blue chip player to be available at 11 right now. I think Fant could also be considered a blue
2: chip for some people. You know, it'll depend on your roster makeup. Ryan Burns, sure. Like, I was thinking today with the Patriots losing uh Gronkowski like don't be surprised if they saw Fant or Hawkinson and said you know what we got to get into the top 15 to get whatever one's still remaining and instantly replace the production they lost with Gronkowski and potentially get even more explosive with someone like Fant so uh you know I, I <laughs> and it'd probably be some cheap trade-up that'd make us all upset but in my opinion if the Patriots would want them, and this is just me hypothetically using, you know, my own brain to against myself, but if the Patriots w- would want them, I'd want them too. And sometimes that, I trick myself and the players using that, um, using that <laughs> method of, of reasoning. But I would be down for Fant or Hawkinson, and we dis- we described that pretty extensively during Mock Draft Monday. So if you didn't see that episode or listen to it, uh, go back and hear our thought process and why taking a tight end makes a lot of spe- a lot of sense, and especially a wide tight end like PJ yeah. Hawkinson.
0: Yeah, the inline guy.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: You, need, and, and you then, need someone. And then if it's not that, then it could be Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns, Cleveland sure. Farrell, Montez Sweat, any of the red, edge rushers that fall. Yep. And we positional so no value. Right. Exactly. Or you take those elite guys at elite positions. And I hate to say this, it, it could be a corner if there's one that they're in love sure. with. Right. If they
2: really like Greedy Williams, and they add him and say, "Listen." Um, look at this roster. We don't think Denard's an outside guy. We like Webb better in the slot. Uh, we like Darius Phillips better in the slot. Maybe they like Devontae Harris. But, I mean, we're talking fifth rounders versus a first round and number one corner taken. I've mentioned Greedy Williams reminds me of William Jackson in, t- in terms of size, build, and and skills. Uh, I think they would, yeah, they'd be open to an idea like
0: that. And maybe replace replaces Kirkpatrick in a year. Duke Tobin loves drafting corners in the first round
2: especially a year earlier than they really need them. And you could say with a one-year deal, one-year deal for Denard. Yeah. You may need this guy.
0: Yeah. You may need him next year. Yeah. There's the Bengals say this, I think more, more, I I don't know. I don't follow their teams like Wilson, but I would imagine the Bengals say more than any other team. You can't have enough corners. Right. Yeah. And that's the mentality that, you know, leads to William Jackson getting a year of seasoning time. And, Kirkpatrick, two and a half years. Denard, two and a half
2: years. (laughs) Way too much seasoning time.
0: Yeah, which was an argument that we got on Twitter today against our mock draft Monday pick of uh, Jeffrey Simmons in the second round.
2: Right, for why take a guy if he's not having a clear-cut role early. And I think for Simmons, I I disagree on that logic because I think he would have a clear-cut role early in his career, which would be year two.
0: uh, And he's he's a blue-chip prospect you're getting in the second round. This is like this i i use the i responded to it and and i use the idea of getting william jackson in the second round if you get william jackson in the second round and he has to sit a year you're not upset right I,
2: to me it's like getting joe mixon you're getting blue chip talent in the second round for other issues you know and
0: uh yeah, while you can Simmons, go back and look at other guys may, like carlos right. dunlap
2: yeah and the, the and those last two guys mixon and dunlap didn't miss a whole year no. but they weren't yeah they were splitting time they were it. yeah and I, you could definitely ease in Simmons. It, it happened in late January, early February. He may be ready in October, November, and may play in December, and you ease him in that way. Yeah.
0: What do you say we take a quick break and come back and talk about trading for Bill Belichick? Okay. That makes sense, right, Bengals fans? We'll be right back to maybe stay sane for the second half of the show. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode Welcome
2: back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're having a little bit of fun today talking about potentially trading for players, maybe trading away some players, uh, mostly because we feel as free agency starts to trickle down, and you'll read reports now that trade talks start heating up, it becomes uh, a, a balancing act of value i would say in terms of nfl teams when they look at it and say well we we can get these free agents obviously for nothing we saw a few trades when free agency kicked off originally but as some of these other second and third tier or maybe even former first round picks it looks like uh end up later in free agency teams will say well okay they're under a cheap deal at this point we can control them for two more years maybe even more for some of these guys and get them for a cost of a draft pick, you have to value that versus signing a guy right now at a similar position that may not be as good. So I think that's where, where we're at right now. We have to d- discuss a few other people. We already discussed Darren Lee in the first uh, first half of the show. I have also, obviously, we've talked about Josh Rosen a lot, uh, quarterback for the Cardinals, uh, if you didn't know. <laughs> but 22 years old, and I think a lot of people say, uh, what, what what mock was it? where they said, why won't we just give, oh, I know what this was. Chris Trapasso, I think, had a full mock yesterday, Monday, and he had the Bengals taking Dwayne Haskins, trading up with the Bills to number nine and giving up the third-round pick to the Buffalo Bills. So they got Haskins in the first round and come back and get uh, Wilson, the linebacker from Alabama, in the second round.
0: Oh, yeah, I called him Mack in the first half of the show. Mack Wilson. We got it together. We did it thank you
2: yes mac Wilson you know what i called him mac Collins before who was a receiver for the Eagles anyways uh which i thought was a great first two rounds and honestly, i thought trading up from just giving up that third round pick just to move up a little bit here or we're staying on the, uh, the theme of trading but giving up that third round pick just to move up a couple spots to potentially get that quarterback I think that makes perfect sense in my mind the rest of the draft i didn't love it but the comment i received the most, from Bengals fans was, why wouldn't you just give a third round pick for Josh Rosen? And I know the reports are out there that it's potentially a third round pick, but I definitely think if other teams get involved and if the market heats up, I don't think we're going to look at a third round pick. Some people, some Patriots people say, oh, they might give up their first rounder, or they at least entertain that idea. I think you definitely have to get into the second-round range with 42 overall, and I think that's when these same fans would probably debate it even more. Uh, and then maybe even potentially I thought of maybe even swapping, going back from 11 to 33, and, and which would be about the value of a first-round pick, to get Josh Rosen, who I believe still could be a franchise quarterback. And if you place them with these guys, would probably be around the Dwayne Haskins level and could potentially still be a top-10 quarterback if he was in this draft.
0: And I want to get to this in a second, but after we finish this discussion, earlier today you tweeted that you think John Ross, the prospect, would be the first receiver drafted in this year's class. So let's talk about that. And after I said it last finish. year too. Yeah, I saw that. Let's talk about that after we finish talking about okay. Drew Rosen.
2: Josh Rosen. Josh
0: Rosen. Man, every time, Drew Rosen Maybe else. Maybe in man.
2: April you'll be able to, do, to get his name correctly.
0: Maybe if he becomes a Bengal, I'll worry myself enough to fix it.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. Because we've talked about Rosen enough then he's not even been a, a part. But yes, so what do you think? What, what pick would you give up for Rosen? How would you feel if they made the move?
0: If it's a third-round pick, it's a no-brainer, right? I think he's probably going to fetch more than a third-round pick because there will be teams out there that had him as you know their second quarterback last year and thought that he could be a franchise guy. Yep. There were quite a few people, I remember, on Draft Twitter that liked him a lot more than Sam Darnold. Yeah. And Sam Darnold was for most people, I think, around the NFL the clear. He might have even been the number one for some.
2: Leading uh, up to the draft for sure.
0: Yeah. And then Baker Mayfield kinda, you know I don't know. For for Pro Football Focus, Baker was always the first guy. And, and I I liked Rosen
2: more than Darnold. That was one of them.
0: Yeah. So it's not like it's an unpopular opinion, right? I think it was actually a pretty popular opinion amongst amongst draft winners. So if, you, if you're if you throwing that out because he was a very bad quarterback on a very bad team last year, uh, who has a new head coach this year? I don't know if you're doing it right. So I wonder, you know, Zach Taylor probably wasn't looking at quarterbacks last year, but I wonder what he thinks. Uh, did they play the Cardinals? They had to have. They They're in the, the same, same division. division right? So yeah. they played him so twice.
2: They had to have played Rosen, though, is the question, right? Not Because um, oh, right. Rosen didn't start all year, right. so it would depend on at what point, which right. I don't know.
0: I wonder. I'm sure, I'm I can... sure. Actually, no, I was just going to sure. say, I,
2: was... I can pull up the schedule really fast if you keep going.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there for a second that I'm sure he's at least seen tape on Rosen, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe a limited amount. I think, depending on what it is, you have to do it if you're the Bengals. I think that they should at least be asking, would you guys do it for a third-round pick? And if it comes back and it's a second-round pick, or like a third-plus, Third this year, third next year, then you do it, right? And and you see if he's the guy and you hope you found a market inefficiency to exploit. Yep. So he did
2: play the Rams week sixteen last year. Oh yeah. Josh Rosen went twelve of twenty three. So that's bad. fifty Yep, fifty two percent completion for just eighty seven yards. Also so that's three point eight per per attempt. Uh, He had a terrible pro football focus grade of 42 overall, passing of 36.7. So he's even worse when he threw the ball. Uh, He was sacked four times. Listen, how many times he was sacked? 45 times last year. He was sacked 45 times in 453 dropbacks. I mean, that is uh, insane, actually.
0: So is this like trading for David Carr after his rookie year? I mean, yeah, I guess.
2: It could be very similar to that. I think Jared Goff was lit up his rookie year also. Pressure will kill a rookie quarterback. But yeah. well, he was not good in that game at all, is the point.
0: I wonder how he would do I mean, I think the Bengals' offense, pro, I mean, you still have pressure issues, especially off the right side, I think. But I wonder how Rosen performs on a Bengals team, with, especially if Eifert's healthy, with Eifert, Ross, Boyd, Green.
2: I'm looking at his grades for under pressure, and uh, obviously it was a, a large chunk of his – uh, dropbacks, 180 times he was, in 180 dropbacks, he was pressured out of 453. That's insane. Uh, is that that's like great. 33%? It's got to be higher, head, right? 183, four, 183 by 453.
0: Okay, by keep talking.
2: 40%. 40, that's, almost 40, 40.5, which is significant.
0: Near the top of the league. The only quarterback I can think of off the top of my head that's had success under that much duress is Russell Wilson.
2: Yes. And not so Russell
0: you, Wilson as a rookie. Becker and
2: Russell, Russell. Wilson is, is pretty damn good. So under pressure, he completed 41.5% of his passes. One touchdown, six interceptions. Now, no pressure, 270 dropbacks. He completed 62% of his passes for 6.5 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Still Quarterback rating of 80. No, but as a rookie on a bad team. As a uh, rookie on
0: a bad team, then that's you know, a pretty acceptable place to yep. be adjusted completion percentage was 69.9 without pressure. That's also a little bit low but not the worst. It, yeah. It's it's a foundation that you could look at for a rookie and say, "You know what? We were very bad last year and so we think you can be better." I always think it's weird when teams when teams do coaching changes after a year one of a rookie, you know, of a year one of a quarterback and then they're yeah. sitting there looking at a quarterback at number 1. Like it's such a weird situation. For Especially because it's not a G- organization new GM,
2: being. right? Yeah. That's the same GM he picked, Josh Rosen. Yep. So that's, that's, that's an interesting one. I've got another Cardinals player, Hassan Reddick, He's brought, brought up a lot. Um, kind of a linebacker edge. He was a hybrid player coming out of Temple. Honestly, I liked him a little bit when the Bengals took John Ross. It was the same draft. Uh, Reddick really hasn't found his footing. He did play 800 snaps last year, mostly as an edge rusher. He had four sacks last year. He had two the previous year. Uh 6'1, 235, so he doesn't have the typical size of an edge rusher. He's kind of a Sam in the Bengals old defensive scheme where they used to like those defensive end uh big run defending line of scrimmage type Sam linebackers. So Reddick would be interesting to me, and I wonder where he is in terms of value. Is that a late day three pick swap? Is it a uh you know, th- fifth rounder or so for a Hassan Reddick? But I don't think he'd he'd actually fill the holes they have at linebacker, but he would give them a piece that maybe they could do something with. I think he'd be very similar to the, who the Rams had last year in Samson Ek- Ekuban, uh, who was very productive linebacker linebacker for them. Yeah. And I have also Shaq Lawson. He's also twenty-five. Bills run defender, defensive end, former first round pick out of Clemson. Played less than five hundred snaps last year. Much better versus the run than best. I think you could kick him inside and get a little bit out of him. I'd also be interested in, in Lawson.
0: And that's a guy on a team that the Bengals like to do business with. Yep. So that is, you know, potentially a reasonable idea. has, has there been any discussion around trading him? He was
2: on a, I was looking up potential trade uh, targets and he his name was listed on two different articles, one on NFL.com, mostly because of his production and the Bills may take a defensive end with their number nine pick.
0: Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. There are a lot of edge options there for Buffalo, most likely and number nine if they stay there. Yeah. So Joel, I'm not letting you off the hook. Let's talk about John Ross against DK Metcalf. Okay. I'm ready for that. And then we'll talk about trading for Bill Belichick because I think that'll be fun. So why is John Ross a better pick than DK Metcalf, Hakeem Butler, and Nikhil Harry?
2: Well, I think uh Hakeem Butler is the best receiver in this in this class. I like I like Nikhil also. I think uh everyone fell in love with DK Metcalf running and, and testing the way he did. But if you look at his production, okay, let's go back now to 2016 as a freshman. Uh, just two games, two catches, 13 yards. Okay, so let's go to the next year. Average the next two years, 16.6 yards per catch, 21.9 yards per catch over the next two years. Those The production, though, 39 receptions, 646 yards, seven touchdowns as a sophomore. 26 catches, 569 yards, five touchdowns as a junior. Uh, he has not been high-end productive in, in terms of looking at it and compared with John Ross, who was highly productive, 17 touchdowns his final year at Washington. Uh, he Ross would have the production. He would have the workout, similar to what DK Metcalf had. And DK Metcalf was also coming off of injuries that have really plagued him to the point where I, I believe some people were concerned if he was going to continue to play. Uh, he had a season-ending season, a, season ending injury last year in, in, in October. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what it was again. I, I don't want to say back. Okay, it was neck. That's what I thought. Okay, so he hurt his neck, and people were concerned for his future. So he's got issues. He's got production issues. He, I think he's got some agility issues. I definitely think that Ross would be considered the the top guy. His production's there. His, his breakout age would be very high. Um, again, I said this last year because I think the first receiver was – DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, who were mid to late first round, I think Ross would have went ahead of both of those guys also. And I believe this year he'd still be the only guy that maybe goes top 12. I don't think Mike F goes top 12. And if he does, I'd, I'd be surprised.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I don't know that it's necessarily likely either, but I could see one of those teams, this wide receiver Needy, taking him just because of the athleticism and, and the profile. But the production's got to be concerning. You could argue that there's a lot of talent on that team at wide receiver. You're talking three about two,
2: receivers, yeah.
0: two guys that are for sure looking at potential first round picks between him and AJ Brown, and then the yeah. third is Demarcus Lodge. Demarcus Lodge, who yesterday during mock draft Monday, I said I would consider Demarcus Lodge as early well as a second.
2: Lodge was really productive too. They were all different type of guys, and. uh Interesting. Honestly, I take any one of those three just for the fun, but you have to decide who may end up representing the most value, and that may be A.J. Brown, in my opinion, especially if he's there in the second round, uh, which could potentially happen. But in in terms of just comparing Ross and – Again, it's hard to separate, like we've talked about with all these guys, Darren Lee, Josh Rosen, Shaq Lawson, Hassan Reddick. It's hard to separate what they've done in the NFL with what they were as a prospect. In my opinion, if there was a Ross-type prospect that had the breakout age, production, and testing the way he did, uh, he would be considered the top receiver.
0: And that's why I made that statement, because I
2: think it still holds true.
0: You put it that way, it just sounds reasonable. When you just say it without any context, without, you know, using a tone of voice that's confident and you're citing numbers, it doesn't it doesn't sound so compelling. But this is a much more convincing argument. You
2: know who didn't argue with me? Draft Twitter. I mean, it was mostly fans of like, what? You know, well, that doesn't make any sense. Ross has been terrible. But not, no one from draft Twitter said anything. I mean, I, if you go back to last year's comments, even like Evan Silva was like 100%. He'd be the number one receiver drafted. I'm talking about last year's draft. You know, people uh, that understand it, I think they look at it and say, yeah, there, there's a reason he went as high as he did. Now he hasn't been as productive. We know that. But I do think in if this offense hits the ground, and I like this offense more now after free agency has rolled a little bit. Uh, If this offense hits the ground running, I think they can
0: use John Ross and get him to be a spark for this offense. If they're reasonably healthy, I think it's a top 50% offense. If they're very healthy, I think it's a top 30% offense. Sure. What do you think
2: the odds are that they're still interested in trading Ross if those reports are true? Because you hear all the time, I mean, the Cardinals GM will say – Josh Rosen's our quarterback. Right the, now, the, the, right. The Giants' GM ten days before said Odell oh, no, Beckham's not going anywhere. So yeah. should we believe that they aren't trading John Ross and staying on the trade topic? What, I don't. I don't think that it as still much happens.
0: An, yeah, I mean, if it still happens, and then, then what? You draft Nikhil Harry in the in the second round or something, or or, or do maybe you take maybe the he guy in the up first. Losing? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? If they trade for Darren Lee, maybe they do. Right. You start to get into a multiple hypothetical world at that point, but there's a world where that happens. Earth 65. It happens. Earth 65. You, I think, had some information about. uh, Ross? You showed me something about Ross and Tyler Boyd last year versus. Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones. And this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before is the Bengals have let these, these free agents walk Andrew Whitworth, Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, uh, Kevin Zeitler, Jonathan Joseph, Justin Smith, you name it. There's been a free agent that the Bengals have let walk or haven't ponied up enough money to retain. Jeff Hobson will point out all the list of guys that they do retain. And then I would say, you know what? It doesn't matter if they're keeping their own guys or not. It doesn't matter what, free agents you spend your money on, your own or an unrestricted guy, as long as you're getting the best player. Because and there's there's that article we talked about a couple exactly a couple yep. episodes ago where teams that are spending on unrestricted free agents might actually be getting better value because they're the yep. better players sometimes.
2: Yep. And uh, this is something I've tried to track ever since they let Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu go in the same offseason, which... Seems crazy, and then they follow it up the following year, letting Whitworth and Zeitler go. So, same position, you're letting two big draft picks and and investments walk in, in their primes. Whitworth not, you know, counting as being in his prime. But anyways, I've tracked how they've replaced those two guys, and I wanted to see. At first, it was Lafelle and Boyd. Now, were they going to get similar production to what Sanu was doing in Atlanta and what Jones was doing in Detroit? They didn't match it that first year. Even in the second year, Boyd had a had a down year. Uh, LaFell was his normal self, so again, they were not able to match what Jones and Sanu were providing for their respective teams, and yes, they're saving a lot of money by not paying those guys, but you have to debate if that's worth it, if it's setting your offense back, and I think everyone would agree, 16 and 17, the receiving unit, the the second and third guy, really set this team back. Yeah, we know offensive line had their impact too, but in 16, that offensive line was still intact, and it still had a negative impact on them, so... Uh, looking at this past year was the first time they actually matched the production of, of Mohammed Sanu and Marvin Jones and Sanu had a really good year for Atlanta, really being the true number three receiver for the first time after they drafted Calvin Ridley. But Marvin Jones, after they released Golden Tate, uh, even though Jones was hurt for a chunk of that and Kenny Galladay may have even surpassed him as the number one receiver, putting Jones as the number two guy kind of again, where, where he was before. Uh, you see, his production dipped a little bit this year, and I think he was held to five or six games. But looking at Boyd and Ross, what they combined for, and the most of the positive stuff is because of Boyd, but these are who they spent the picks on, right? So, 1,375 snaps for Boyd and Ross combined, 1,368 snaps for Jones and Sanu, so the difference of just seven snaps there. Targets for Boyd and Ross, 158. Targets for Jones and Sanu, 150. So a difference of eight targets now. Uh, Catchable targets, 119 for Boyd and Ross. 75% were catchable. We know that uh, it was extremely low for John Ross, really high for Tyler Boyd. Uh, It was about consistent for Jones and Sanu. They had 126 total catchable targets. That's 84%. So they had a 9% more catchable rate, which leads to them catching 101 of their 150 passes where the Boyd and Ross, the Bengals duo, Uh, ended up catching 97 of their 158. So that's a 61.4 completion percentage. Jones and Sanu, 67.3. So big gap there, 6% gap. And mostly that looks like it's on the quarterback. But as we get farther down, you'll see also on John Ross. Uh, Total yards, 1,238 for the Bengals. Jones and Sanu, 1,346, so basically about 110 yards difference, 108 yards difference, 12.8 yards per catch versus 13.3 in in favor of the veterans. Uh, Touchdowns for the Bengals, 14 because Ross and Boyd had seven each. Touchdowns for Jones and Sanu because Jones missed a lot of time just nine. So Bengals ended up with five more touchdowns out of their duo. Now the drops for Jones and Sanu three drops. And I think those were three or from Jones and zero or no one from Sanu two from Jones. Uh, While the Bengals had 10, three from Boyd seven from Ross. We know that's well documented Uh, the five interceptions for the Bengals. So this is targeting that receiver. were all on John Ross, none on Tyler Boyd, the two for the Jones and Sanu duo, two for Jones zero for Sanu. So, a lot more interceptions. This leads to a total quarterback rating, passer rating, in their direction of a 102.2 for Ross and Boyd, which is pretty good. You throw to them, a 102 rating would be Andy Dalton's career year. Uh, but for Jones and Snoo it's a 110 quarterback rating. So production-wise, very similar. You could take two receivers from a random amount of teams and get a pretty similar production. But these two guys came from the Bengals. These are who the Bengals replaced them with, being Tyler Boyd and John Ross. Last year, for the first time, that duo gave – The same production is what they lost. Uh, Having said that, the cap hit for the Bengals two receivers was $5 million in 2018. For the Falcons and Lions combined, it was $13.9 million difference. Let's say it's $14 million, a $9 million cap saving for the Bengals. But here's the big thing, right, Jake? It's the replacement cost. The Bengals back, got back a fourth rounder for Marvin Jones and a fifth round compensatory pick for Mohamed Sanu. If you put those picks on the trade value chart, pick 138, pick 178, and then subtract for what they spent on Boyd and Ross, pick 55, pick 9. They lost out on a value of 1,643 on the trade value chart, which is equivalent to a top 10 pick, right?
0: It's equivalent to a sixth overall pick in the first round, which this year is maybe Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. Sure. Or just
2: go back to when they actually spent that pick on Ross. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. it's a direct payment right there. They had to spend, or in their minds, they had to spend the number nine overall pick at a need position. we've discussed how they do this and they pigeonhole themselves to do this uh, from their free agency, but they, they took Ross at number nine and that could have been, and as an example, if they were able to keep Sanu or Jones, you, you keep one of those guys, you're not forced to make that pick. And maybe then you can open your ideas and it would have ended up being a Watson or Mahomes or Ryan Ramsick or o, uh, O.J. Howard. Whoever you can dream up, that would have been a great scenario. I'm, I'm willing to dream it up. The point is, of all this as the replacement cost it takes, is it worth it to finally match that production after three years and you save some money, but you could have used those picks at so many other positions?
0: You know what all this conversation makes me feel like is is that they shouldn't take Devin Bush at number eleven overall. Why is that? I say that because I think it's a reach. I think that that would be the same we talked about this a little bit and and've I kind of tried to talk up Devin Bush as, as saying, you know some people think he has better tape than Devin White, but I think I think Devin Bush at 11 to me in my head, feels like you're you're reaching for a need and you could be passing on an Ed Oliver. You could be passing yeah. on Dwayne Haskins. You could be passing on Jonah Williams. You could be passing on Brian Burns. Any of these guys who could be sure. and probably are higher on most people's overall boards and could have better NFL careers at more impactful positions.
2: So you feel it could be similar to taking Ross, even though the the other two receivers went ahead of him and they said, you know what? We still really like Ross. Ross was a target of ours. We're going to take him regardless of the other guys that we all mocked to them, right? Ruben Foster has had had his issues, but obviously was a really good player, but OJ Howard, Jonathan Allen. Yeah.
0: OJ Howard, Jonathan Allen. I mean, obviously Mahomes, right? That's the glaring sure, one. Because they were looking, they were looking at quarterbacks that year, correct? They at least
2: graded them and they were had a very high opinion on Mahomes and I believe Watson also, but I know for sure it was Mahomes.
0: Or maybe, or maybe I'm just asking for a competent team that's, that's picking a quarterback. So or or maybe or maybe my issue isn't as much with Devin Bush specifically, as much as it's wide receiver positional value for a guy that's not like when it's AJ Green and it's like an incredibly easy evaluation, it's different than if it's John Ross who has some warts. Because when you're picking top twelve, you want to find a guy with minimal blemishes, right? Would you say wide
2: receiver and linebacker are similar, especially off the ball linebacker, a similar positional value? That's maybe the defensive side of you. Really shouldn't take those guys top ten. I think so. When yeah, you look I hear at you.
0: when you look at actual like. I don't know. Since Randy Moss, I mean, Randy Moss that year, they didn't even win the Super Bowl when they were 18, right. you know, heading into the 20 Super something Bowl. touchdowns. So, like, you know, is a wide receiver really carrying you to the Super Bowl or is a wide receiver just a piece? And you need good wide receivers, but I mean. Look at the final
2: four teams. They didn't have linebackers or receivers. <laughs> they got good play out of those positions, but they didn't yeah. invest high value. I mean, well, down to the, Hightower was really the, the most, uh, highest
0: drafted linebacker. Cooks and Woods. Cooks was a first-round pick.
2: Yeah, Woods was a second.
0: So so they, the L.A. had guys, and they, they did invest a in wide receiver, but and, they didn't invest yeah. top-ten pick at wide receiver no. at any point in time. You could have had Cooks
2: that year instead of Ross if you wanted to give up that first-round pick like those other teams did.
0: Yeah. And so, you might
2: have actually got something back that year for it.
0: The same way, Luke Keekley isn't carrying the Panthers to a Super Bowl. Dallas Vander or not Dallas, uh, Le- Leighton Vanderess in Dallas isn't carrying the the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Right. Ray and Lewis is the last last linebacker you could say, but the rest of that defense was outstanding too.
2: Right. Exactly. And I went through and looked at all the playoff teams and saw what they had at linebacker. Dallas had the best situation with Leighton Vanderess and Vanderess and Jalen Smith. They really invested in those positions as a yeah. first rounder and top of the second round pick. Uh, and then it was Bobby Wagner, obviously Seattle's best linebacker in the league.
0: So And you're still going to uh, get beat by Julian Edelman when you get a free release happens. on him, when you stack him in the slot and you run him on a crosser and you're, you're asking your corner to play through a natural pick and, and your linebacker isn't going to run with Julian Edelman.
2: And the way the game is designed, linebackers are put in conflict more than any other position on defense in terms of reading, reacting to their keys, defending the run first, because you hear about it all the time, we got to defend the run first, and linebackers are meant to do that, and they're built to do that. And I think the keys are designed for them to read run first, so you end up play action and, and other formations and movement, get them out of position, even no matter how good you are. So the point to this was... If we're afraid of taking a wide receiver that high, and we're not talking about this year, I don't think that happens, but should we be as afraid of taking a linebacker if it's not Devin
0: White? And even if it is Devin White, if it's Devin White I over know. Ed Oliver, is that correct?
2: The reason that De- Devin White would even be there at 11, and right, with that, some people say that De- Devin White no matter what, even if Ed Oliver is up on the board because of the need at linebacker. Uh, man, I would hate to draft cj mosley and over aaron donald you know and who knows if either one of those guys end up being that you could take the two best in the league take aaron donald and and bobby wagner you still want aaron donald so you want the interior disruptor the guy that disrupts more plays causes havoc ruins offensive game plans and that in today's league is on the defensive line and especially interior defensive line
0: yeah i mean who's who's going out there and game planning around luke keekley I mean, you have to They're know not. where he is, but it's, I mean, even a safety like an Ed Reed or, or we talked about this with uh, Earl Thomas, like you, he, Earl Thomas changes a game for a defense more than a Luke Kuechly does, right? Oh, for sure. Yes. So it's, it's name of position on the defense that matters less than linebacker. There's a reason the Bengals have had bad linebackers for so long and still had good defenses.
2: Yeah, that's true. They have had good defenses with very mediocre. I mean, Donnie Jones, may be the best of that last what 10 years linebacker? now? linebacker? Sure, right. Cuz yeah, when yeah. Berfect
0: was on, he was he was very good.
2: Yes, I'm obviously I was glossing over Berfect when and thinking of some of the better defensive units they had in in 09 and, and sure. 11 yeah. and 12, but then by then they started to get Berfect. So, uh yes, it, they've gotten by with bad linebacker play for a and, long
0: time. And that's because for for some period of time that was because of the secondary, and then for and another the best period...
2: defensive line in the league, maybe at for a short period,
0: right? And then I was going to say for another period of time it was because of the strength of of the defensive line when Carlos Dunlap. We're and on Gino the same Atkins. page, here. yeah, we are.
2: And all the guys that could rotate. Remember that that was a deep deep defensive line. Uh, and we talked. To, what did we talk yesterday about Kerry? Wynn. we said he's like. Frosty Rucker, Johnson, Finene, and just thinking of those guys in their rotation and how they kicked them inside and got production yeah. out of that unit. I Chris think Finene won, yeah, Chris Mathay recently, but Finene six and a half sacks one year.
0: Uh, you know, I'd love to get that out of their nickel rusher right now. If you get that out of Kerry, Wynn, I'm happy, I'm not complaining about it anymore.
2: He deserves five million if you get that out of
0: him. <laughs> well, and he might get five million. We have to wait and see. We we'll do. About. I'm just kidding. You know what? Bengals fans would argue when Tess Berfick came onto the, the field those years and they had bad linebackers besides Vontes Berfick, the defense did perform much better, which that's sure. fair to say. So He's, I'm not saying that linebackers aren't valuable. I'm just saying, like, position of value matters.
2: In terms of position value on defense, you could argue – with this with the way the league's evolving, safety used to be the one that was the least valuable. It may be more valuable than a linebacker now, and I say that because of the way offenses are attacking you, everything's getting specified in terms of skill set. I think safety is the equalizer. If you can get a guy to come down and cover the slot if he can cover tight ends, backs out of the backfield, uh, come in and be a linebacker, but also be a corner. yeah, I think a good safety a darwin or Derwin James is way oh, more yeah. valuable than Devin White this year, and you know maybe. Unless Devin White can run with tight ends. But he hasn't shown that in college, so you're making a projection when you but do he run, it. He runs fast enough. He does. He looks athletic enough to do it. You're right. It just, you just have to do it. And Derwin James didn't always. We, we did a tape breakdown of Derwin James on he YouTube did. somewhere. And uh, there were times he looked really stiff. So yeah, it was not always there.
0: I was among those who wasn't sure he should have been you know in consideration for the Bengals last year.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of people thought he was a slam dunk uh, uh, pick. You know, what's funny is, I don't know if we talked about this, but someone, I think it was Dane Brugler of The Athletic, he's their draft guy, good guy. Um, He recently said this year, had the Bengals had stayed, and he knows the uh, Cowboys really well, he does a lot of work with them, Uh, had the Bengals stayed at their pick and not traded back with Buffalo, they were eyeing Leighton Van Der Esch with that pick. Hmm. Cowboys had Van Der Esch to the Bengals as like we don't expect him to be there if the Bengals stay there.
0: Uh, and they traded out of that pick very early in the process. They did. And we'll see what happens this year. Maybe they'll trade up to get a quarterback. Maybe they'll trade back if they don't like what they've got and try to accumulate some picks in the mid rounds where we've talked a lot during the mock draft Mondays. We feel there's a lot of depth and we'll, uh, we've got one more, uh, trade though scenario just to go just go 10
2: more minutes maybe on this well let's not do 10 more minutes 20 minutes then this is from (laughs) this is from nick mendler on twitter uh he says he's having this debate at work and he says if you could trade for bill belichick what would you give up can you trade for coaches he questions keep your con great content on the podcast who day from denver
0: we're trying to keep the great content that's why we've been rambling for the last 50 minutes but Yes, you can not trade for coaches. It's happened. John Gruden, most notably, Joe has a breakdown there. What I would give up for Bill Belichick? If you were saying I get four years of Bill Belichick, uh, I'll give up. I'll give up the farm, right? Like I, you, you name your price. And, is this and the I'm... price?
2: Then this is what John Gruden was traded for. Now Gruden was much younger, but Belichick was is clearly maybe even the best coach of all time. So John Gruden in two thousand two traded from the Bucks or to, from the Raiders to the Bucks they had to give up their first round pick in two thousand two and two thousand three second-round pick in 2002 and 2004. So two firsts, two seconds, and $8 million in cold, hard cash.
0: What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm in.
2: You're in for Bill Bill Belichick, right? I want
0: Bill Belichick to coach my football team, man. There's nobody as good as, as Bill Belichick in the NFL right now, period. The closest, I think, is probably Andy Reid.
2: That'd be interesting. Who is the next best coach?
0: Uh, my opinion is that Andy Reid. I think I'm settled on Andy Reid. Sean Payton's up there for me too. Sure. Uh, I don't. I don't think that Sean McVay has necessarily proven that he's definitely one of those guys yet. Uh, Pete Carroll still a top five guy.
2: Mm, he went to two
0: Super Bowls. On a on a rookie deal for Russell Wilson, who they got in the third round. Hey,
2: that's a, that means they're smart. They realized what they what situation they were in.
0: Yeah. They've never had an offensive line either. Who who's the the coach in in Philly? Doug Peterson. Sure, sure. You could talk about Doug Peterson. You won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Yep. Uh, who's coaching in, in Is Indianapolis? There now? In right?
2: Is there anyone in the AFC even close? We just mentioned like four
0: or five NFC coaches after Belichick. That's true. I don't think Mike Tomlin.
2: I was just going to say, is Tomlin the next? I, I Reed, I'm sorry. You mentioned Reed first. He is the AFC, obviously. But AFC. I still was equating most of his career with the Eagles when I said NFC. But yes, I is Tomlin next? Jeez, No. I honestly, you know. In, who the, in
0: the AFC, I'd say it might be Frank Reich in Indianapolis. I know.
2: You know who's the guy who I would love to have? And like this would be a scenario where John Gruden was still young and got traded, even though they made the playoffs with the Raiders and whatever happened there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. I think his system yeah. works. I think he gets the best out of quarterbacks. I would have given up the farm for Shanahan two years ago. Was it two? Or was it three already? But anyways, I would have given up the farm for him when he was available.
0: I mean, he hasn't had much success out there. He's had injuries at quarterback, but yep. he could be he could be available soon. Coming to a Cincinnati Bengals near you. When we don't hire uh, the other Callahan mm-hmm. and Jim Turner blows up the offensive line, <laughs> no. You know what? Jim Turner is going to do great. We're going to get Bobby Hart. He's going to be a pro bowler at right tackle in 2019. Someone said
2: if Bobby Hart grades over a 69 or 60, he might even said 69.6, but if he grades over, we should do something. Like we should make a bet now. If Bobby Hart gets over a 69 for the season, PFF grade, uh, we got to eat something, wear something, buy something, whatever the case may be. I think people should send in uh, suggestions on that. Would you be willing? Or you don't let's, want to leave it up to the internet.
0: Let's see what the suggestions are. I, he's not
2: going to get a 69 grade.
0: I don't trust the internet, about? man. <laughs> I, I'm worried that Jim Turner's right, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, he's not going to be good. Come on. Stop hey, it. He's 24. You got to shave your beard and your head.
0: I'm giving out suggestions here.
2: <laughs> You're not, you don't look at me about that.
0: Nobody knows that I have a beard. Now you the whole here? internet knows. He's got a sweet beard internet. That's a fact. Good hair too. (laughs) Joe, you're so generous today. I'm feeling good. All right, Joe, let's wrap it up. We've talked about trading for Bill Belichick. We've talked about trading for Darren Lee. We talked about what the Bengals had to essentially give up to replace Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones when they left. We're still paying the price, I think, for Andrew Whitworth. We'll see. How that turns out. Whenever... Those trades did
2: not turn out. <laughs> we already know the answer on that one. Well, it's They
0: spent a first and second. They're going to have to pay more. Well, they the, yeah. well they they paid their first and second a pick swap for Cordy Glenn and seven million dollars to Jesus. I bet that Bobby looks even Hart. worse. Actually, if we tallied this all up, I bet that looks even worse. Well, and and it's going to be a lot worse performance. But I, I mean, you're I'm including right tackle as well. So sure anyway but they didn't
2: have to play jake fisher at tackle they could have made him a guard or whatever the case may be
0: i i think that there are some guys that just go to the bengals and they're star-crossed right like if if you don't get off to a good start na- name a guy who's come off besides the guys that are red-shirted who's come off a bad rookie year and succeeded in cincinnati
2: I this is a topic for another another episode
0: yeah, maybe it is. And and we have a new coaching staff, too. So maybe maybe this isn't something that's going to be a trend. Maybe it's not even worth getting into all that much. Right. And maybe we're rehashing the Marvin Lewis hair. That's going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Bengals fans, we will see you tomorrow. Accompany you on your way to work. Remember to check out the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app. We're also available on Google Podcasts, Apple uh, podcast, iTunes, whatever you use, Spotify. That's there, too. And as always, tell Alexa, tell your smart device, play podcast Locked On Bengals. We'll keep you company when you're at the gym, driving to work, whatever it is. Regardless of what that is, have a good one, Bengals fans, and we'll see you next time.